wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with West Worship and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to 2D Pokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech beat Liberty 23-22. to Robbie, we got to win. We're off the losing streak. How you feeling, man? I feel I feel magnificent. I, I didn't think that it would feel this good, but it felt really good to me. It, uh, I don't know why it felt that way for you. Oh, it felt fantastic. And, and I don't even want to hear like, oh, we're excited about beating Liberty. You're damn right I'm excited. It was yeah. a seven-game losing streak. They're yeah. eight and two. They beat us last time we played. If you're not excited, then you've got a problem. Yes, I would fully agree with that. And I saw like a Reddit post that was hilarious that came through CFB Reddit. And it it was like one of those posters always have like the best lines. And somebody was like, we're not the type of team that's going to lose. And it had like one with like an X in it, two with an X in it, three, all the way to like number seven. And it was like eight games in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Do you have a cheers for us? Yeah, I will uh, twofold. Uh, first, I will cheers to the team and sticking with it, not packing it in. You could see the effort on the field from a lot of different players, and they wanted to get the W. They easily could have just mailed this one in, but they they did not. So a big cheers to to the guys. And in addition to that, a cheers to uh, to a call we're about to make and some some fun news and and other things that are exciting around around the podcast. So cheers to that. Cheers. That was such a big win and so important and for Pry and the locker room and everything just going forward because we did just get news that the UVA game has been canceled. So yeah. that was the last game of our season. And how nice is it to go out with a win after the way the majority of that season went down? Yeah, I, it's yes, it's it goes without saying that it's un, extremely sad and unfortunate circumstances for that to have to transpire. Um, but you kind of deal with you know the, the the hand you're given, and in in this sense, it's a it's a it's a W to to end the season. So that's that's good, and I think it goes without saying, you know all of our thoughts and everything and just great sadness with all the, the BS that and that goes on in the world and happened to UVA and Hokey fans are, are very well aware of, uh, of that sadness. And it sucks that, you know, it's, it's another school having it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the game, it, it seems like the right thing to do to cancel yes. the game. So 
it completely okay with that decision. And our hearts are still with all, everyone at UVA and the clips I saw of the service. It's just gut wrenching. It really is. But Robbie alluded to a call during our cheers and we're going to have Billy Ray Mitchell come on the podcast here. You you might know him from the sons of Saturday, uh, him, Pat Finn and, and Grayson Wimbish They're They've run a pretty good podcast and a very popular Hokies podcast over the last couple of years. And, uh, we wanted to have Billy on to uh, to discuss uh, a little partnership that's that's about to go down. So we'll play that call for you now. All right, we are happy to welcome in Billy Ray Mitchell to the pod. Billy, thanks for coming on with us. Thank you for having me. And I, I know uh, I know this probably wasn't addressed, but um, officially the 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 twenty twenty two Virginia Tech football season has come to a close following the news. Yeah, that's right. Today. Yep. Billy actually just got on the phone with us and told me like the season's over. I, I had I'd been off Twitter for a couple hours, but it turns out we will not be playing our game against UVA. That's that's a bummer for the seniors out there. It is. It absolutely is. Um, didn't think that that uh, Liberty game was the last time we'd see Dak Tallfield, Chamari Connor. Um, I can't think of a higher note for Jalen Holston to go out on. Um, for real. But uh, yeah, a little bit of a definitely a bummer to not um, see those seniors out. Completely understandable given the given the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. It's a sad thing all the way around that what happened at UVA and everything, and then you got to cancel the game, but it feels like the right thing to do. But we're going to move to just a little bit of a a happier piece of news here. And we want to make the announcement official that the Two Deep podcast is going to be joining the Sons of Saturday going forward. We're going to move under their umbrella, so to speak, and and join forces. And uh, me and Rob are are both pumped about it, man. We can't wait to get started with you guys. I was really excited when uh, I don't remember exactly how we all got in touch, but we've had a lot of respect for, for what you've done. And quite honestly, you've been covering Virginia tech longer than I even had a thought that I might be a Hokie at, in any capacity. (laughs) Um, So really, really excited to um, introduce our, uh, our listeners to, to your amazing content. I think your listeners will, will like our content as well. Um, And, uh, no, this was this was a seamless and and uh, and really exciting thing for us to do. So I'm really excited to to have you guys in the fold. For the listeners, what can they expect from this partnership? And I think we're all still figuring that out. How exactly we want to take this thing forward? But kind of what you hinted at, the main motivation is that we felt like we could help each other. You know, bring together different pockets of the fan base that look to each of our outlets for different reasons. And now we can kind of cross over some content, do some collaborations and get a better distribution of that content across multiple podcast feeds. I think it's, I think it's going to be a great partnership and I know Rob agrees, right? Yeah, I think it, it is. It's, you know, we were just joking not too long ago, Pete, like when we, before we started up too deep, when you go searching for like a Virginia tech podcast, there was like, there was one out there. It was dormant and it was just like a couple of guys completely unorganized. And, you know, we started it. And since then, between Sons of Saturday and some other podcasts all coming together, it seems like people were kind of doing their own thing in different directions, almost to a point where I think it was, it was not helpful. So I think this is actually, you know, perfect in bringing it a little bit better um, and bringing kind of the best of, of what Sons of Saturday has, what best of we have, and really kind of consolidating that actually adds a lot to what the listeners out there and the Hokie fans are, are looking for because it got it was getting kind of bifurcated there and now it's it's getting rolled up together to make the product even better. So uh, I'm very excited. 
without a doubt. And, and what I think is really awesome is Virginia Tech. And, you know, we've we, we've done and I've done a lot of uh, research and checking out other fan bases and kind of what their podcast and media situation looks like. Virginia Tech is really lucky to have so many awesome uh, folks covering the team, covering basketball, men's basketball, women's basketball, soccer, everything. Uh, and so many voices and so many people who care so deeply about this school. Um, so I guess from what people are looking to expect, uh, we are still very excited to be tuning in to the two deep as it is right now. Uh, the way it'll essentially be playing out, and we're still kind of working through the nuts and bolts of this thing, is you'll be able to find all these different shows. Like Sons of Saturday has a couple of different shows that are all housed on our network. Uh, the Hokey Hoops podcast, which is fantastic, covering all angles of Virginia Tech basketball. Um, we currently have the Queens of Castle on there, lots of Saturday, adding you all to the fold and then doing some cross collaboration. So what it looks like is if you're, if you're subscribed to this feed right now, the two deep feed, continue to be subscribed, jump on over to Sons of Saturday, subscribe to them. And what we're planning to do with the feed that exists now is we have a lot of Hokies who have been following Virginia Tech for a very long time. And we're excited to be, uh, to not announce, but basically let you all know that this feed will serve as a uh, hokey history, if you may, where we will be taking a bunch of different looks. It'll be different hosts, um, us, you guys, some other folks that work over at Sons of Saturday and some hokey legends as well, hopping on to take trips down memory lane. You like that pun? Head down memory and, uh, and kind of review and, and go over some of the games that uh, really defined what Virginia Tech is on the hardwood on the football field and some of the great memories that uh, are in Virginia Tech's past. Like Billy said, subscribe to the Sons of Saturday feed. If you haven't checked out the new Queens of Castle podcast, it's very cool. It's two of the women basketball players. It's Kitley and Georgia Moore, right? Kitley and Georgia Amore. Yep. It's completely run by them. They have some awesome stuff coming up. They've interviewed Kayla King. They're going to be interviewing some other predominant, uh, predominant figures in women's basketball, both in the WNBA uh, and in college basketball as well. They're doing a great job. Really excited for them. One of the really cool things that NIL allowed us to do, but they're both extremely, extremely talented and a bunch of fun to listen to. Um, and I know you're excited about this, Pete. We're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be doing, this isn't really an announcement. Everybody knew this was happening, but the Rutgers game coming up next year, do a big, big bash <laughs> for that uh, at SHI Stadium. We'll have pizza, we'll have bagels, we'll have all sorts of stuff. So, um, yeah, just looking to continue to build community, continue to drive the conversation around Virginia Tech. Um, and again, nothing but respect for everything you all have done. We're, we're really, really excited to, um, to add you to the talented team that we have and be a part of the talented team that you all have, uh, have created. Definitely, man. And, and you guys are hustlers, and we've always respected that. You've gotten great interviews over the years since you started and have always been pushing the limits of what a podcast and a podcast network and a website can be uh, with regard to the, the Hokie fan base. And you've, you've given them a lot of content over the last couple of years. And, and it's cool to watch you guys grow and, and do your thing. You Pat and Grayson. Uh, and it's funny, Rob said the thing about being bifurcated, you know, at some of that during the Fuente era, you know, there was some people that maybe didn't like the sons of Saturday, maybe some of our listeners that didn't like sons of Saturday and maybe some of your listeners that maybe didn't care for the way we did our thing. But now we're going to kind of, <laughs> you're going to have your choice, right? <laughs> like you can still listen to both feeds and uh, and hang with either of us, but we're hoping to show you a side of each podcast that everyone can like. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think I, I'm really, this has been a conversation that, uh, that I've broached and others have broached. Like 
this entire time, it, nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. Everybody kind of has a different take and a different angle of looking at it. Uh, I've learned so much from, you know, listening to the great work that's done over at TSL. Um, Dwight mm-hmm. Vick uh, had, had have a ton of fun listening to uh, Don V Fridays and Tales of Teredo. And everybody has their own take. But at the end of the day, it's very special that we have such a large fan base that cares so much about the success of the programs that we have. Um, I always say it's, it, it's great that I'd rather have people arguing and people disagreeing than nobody really caring. Um, yes. And that's not the problem with Virginia Tech and, and Hokie Nation as well. Yeah, over the as these things have popped up over the last couple of years, you know, it feels like you, your competitive juices get going. Oh, we should we could have the best podcast out there. We're gonna, but it is so nice to just know that this many people care about it. And me and Robbie have always focused on that aspect of it. Like it's not really competition; it's just all love with regard to Virginia Tech football and basketball and and every everything else we play because we support it all. So yes, one last time, we are pumped about the partnership. We, we can't wait to get it going in earnest and you'll see all kinds of new stuff coming, coming through this feed. And, uh, I think you guys are really going to love it. So Bill, thanks for joining us. And obviously it's not just Billy, it's Pat and it's Grayson and it's your whole team, Sam and all the guys that write for you. And I'm, I'm slowly meeting them via Twitter and stuff like that, but, uh, man, it's going to be great. We're fired up for it. And, uh, yeah, a lot of awesome stuff to come. We'll be keeping everybody updated on both feeds with what, uh, with what's going to be unrolled. But, uh, yeah, I guess now officially we're turning our uh, turning our sights completely to basketball um, and also wrestling and getting ready for that 2023 season right around the corner. Yes, sir. All right, bud. We will talk to you soon. Have a good rest of your night and go Hokies. That's right. Go Hokies. Well, I hope you guys are excited as we are about us joining the Sons of Saturday. We know some people might have uh, mixed feelings on the matter. Maybe we really just we see them as someone who's they're making waves in regard to the podcast uh, VT podcast universe. And we're getting kind of long in the tooth of doing this. And sometimes you need to change things up to build a spark for yourself. Just like I was talking about last week with maybe changing the quarterback. We wanted to join the Suns to, to see if it lights a fire under us and kind of change things up because we've been doing the same thing for a long time. And if we ever wanted to just step away, then we know it's in good hands. But if we want to keep going, this this is the perfect group of energetic guys that we wanted to join up with. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, they, they're hustlers. I mean, whether it's who they get on the podcast, their interviews, you know, they're always thinking of like new stuff to, to roll out. And at the end of the day, you and I always, we enjoyed the confines of kind of what we were doing and, and what we were bringing and delivering to all the listeners and we're going to continue to do that and um but hopefully you know with that that partnership and them we can add some more bells and whistles um to it and and make things more exciting but you know keep the common threads of what we've always you know done and we like to think done well the same yeah absolutely and things while they will change a little bit you're only going to be getting more content out of this podcast which is something in the off season me and Robbie always struggled with we would do you know if we were in the tournament yeah of course we do an episode previewing and recapping and we we did some basketball stuff earlier you know when we started the podcast but like we just really don't have the energy to do it to do it all off season long so mixing in these guys providing new content angles it's going to be great for you the listener 
And guess what? It's still free for you. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be even better now because there's just going to be more stuff coming through your feed on the Too Deep feed. And we will inform you of any changes prior, but it's kind of nice we get to inform you of this change after a win. Because if we had lost to Liberty, <laughs> only maybe a few <laughs> few people would have heard about it. So. <laughs> yes, that's, uh, that's probably right. Yeah, it would have been a bad time to do that uh, considering – uh, everybody's interest was, uh, was struggling for a bit there. That's for sure. Yeah. And we could kind of tell by the number of calls the last couple of weeks, we did get a few calls and we're going to play those for you in a little bit, but like, I don't think people were really even watching the game. It was on ESPN plus, like you yes. had to go find it. Like, I don't think people were watching anything that requires work, uh, for the level of morale where it was is, right. uh, is probably not going to get good viewership. Yeah. I showed up to my buddy Phil's house like right as the game was ending because I was coming from Harper's Ferry to DC and I was listening to Bill Roth the whole way. And so I was, I'm like walking the house. I'm like, we just got a fumble. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, the tech game's on dude. And like, he, you know, he graduated from tech. Like he, he follows the team to a degree, but like, that's the level we were at. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Uh, let's go to the AP poll quickly before we get into all of our coverage here. Tennessee lost to South Carolina, and more importantly, Hennon Hooker tore his ACL and is now done for the year. So we have our sad and disappointing news that we're done playing, but I feel so bad for Hennon Hooker because before well, he goes down. In his career, he's, his college career is over too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's – yeah, it's it sucks. I mean, he, he had an incredible season. Um, we'll see what happens. I have not – you're the NFL guy. I am not. I haven't seen anything, any talk about what he would even, you know, he's obviously going to try and go to the draft, but even if, if there would be interest or where it would fall out, but um, it sucks. I mean, I don't know. They, the way South Carolina was rolling in that game, 63 points, I don't know that it, it would have been tough anyway, um, but it's just a dagger to go out that way. It is because he still could have finished the game, put up more stats. You know, he would have a game next week to put up more stats. Yep. There was the outside chance if they did manage to pull off the game to potentially make the playoff. Yep. Uh, all of that's out the window now. And from your first question, like I do think he has a future in the NFL. I, I don't know how high he'll go. It, that's really hard to say at this point, especially with the injury. But the way he was going was was trending up. I mean, there was yeah. definitely a decent chance he could have been a first-round pick. Uh, he's got good arm, good legs. Seems to obviously have a good head on his shoulders for the game after spending this time with Josh Heupel from the offensive standpoint. He got even better, and he was good when we had him. So uh, I really hope to see him in the NFL next year, hopefully holding a clipboard and healing for a year yes. before he has to do any starting. But, man, I, I wish nothing but the best for Hendon because that is just heartbreaking news about that, that injury. We'll go through the rest of this quick. The top five, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, USC. USC in the top five for the first time, I believe, in five years. Lincoln Riley, so good. I mean, that yes. he is just – I know he brought a lot of talent with him, but he is such a good coach. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. I Everybody knew what was going to happen. Like, he was already recruiting – so well out of California and you know he brought all that talent with him it was there's never a sure bet but it was as close to a sure bet as you could possibly get that he was going to be successful at that program mm -hmm. 
the fact that he did it this quickly is just crazy. I don't care if he brought everybody with him. He still had to mesh personalities of people that were there that he brought with him. Uh, it's, yep, it's crazy. It's it's really impressive that win over UCLA gives them a shot at the playoff. Uh, TCU still undefeated. They squeaked one out against Baylor. That Michigan-Ohio State game obviously is huge. And now I'm wondering, depending on the way that goes down, are they both getting in the playoff? Yeah, it could. Um, this week didn't help either of their stocks, though. I no, mean, both of true. them, both of them were. Yeah, the Ohio State game, I don't think really was in question, but that Michigan game, they had um, the Illini were, uh, were were giving them all they could get uh, in that game after losing their running back. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, the situation that makes it more likely for both teams to get in is Michigan winning a narrow game. Because yeah. if Ohio State beats Michigan, their strength of schedule is worse. Michigan's strength of schedule is worse. And they haven't looked as impressive. And mm-hmm. I think they would probably fall out if it's a seven-point margin. Now, if, sure. if they lose by three to Ohio State, they could still get in. You know, Because that's going to increase their strength of schedule. I don't want to see both those teams in there. Like This no. this should this is a de facto playoff game. At least that's what it should be. And yeah, so I agree. I'm hoping for a decisive victory by who, whoever wins the game. Uh, Clemson still got an outside shot, although UNC losing to Georgia Tech doesn't help them. That's going to hurt UNC's, uh, going to hurt Clemson's strength of schedule with that loss, and that sucks for the ACC. Well, uh, yep. it was already an outside chance, um, yeah. but now it's it's even more far fetched. I agree. FSU is rolling right now. They are the third and final ACC t- team ranked, but they have been killing some people. They're number sixteen. UNC dropped to eighteen. NC State. Dropped out. They lost again. They lost to Louisville. Louisville got a nice win. They've Louisville's really kind of had a, a decent little season now. They are all over the map. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, we, one week we think they're just dead in the water. Coach is getting fired. Next week they're like back in it. It's just, it's all, it's so strange with that team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a decent season for them. It's a lot better than most people expected. Definitely. Them and, and UNC, I'd say. Like, you, like, those teams have surprised, but Louisville's still not good enough to get in the rankings. And and UNC just I can't believe they lost that game to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, they they've been better since Brent Key has taken over, but mm-hmm. they are still just not a very good team. Like we really should have beat them. I know, but I know it's it's another one of the situations. It's it's the ACC football. is just the ACC is just struggling, and uh, that's that's basically what you're seeing for sure. All right, let's move on to Hokey Hoops before we get to the game recap. We are now 5-1. and one. We lost the championship of the Charleston Classic to College of Charleston. We had to play an away <laughs> game in the tournament. They weren't expected to make the finals, College of Charleston, but they did. And in that game, we could not get a call. And the refs were bad for both sides, but we, we just – really struggled in that game to to get anything to go our way. We didn't shoot well from three, just 22%. Um, and they played tough. I mean, I don't really feel so bad about losing that game. Like, they they, they played really hard, and um, they're a solid team. I was happy to get the win against Penn State. We had to sweat that one out, but we got it, and they're good. Like, I actually think Penn State is going to end up being a really quality win for us down the line. So if you look at the tournament as a whole, no, we didn't win. But we won two games, and we lost by two points in the finals to a team that's playing on their in their hometown. So yeah, it, it, it well, was. There's there's an argument to be made that we threw it 
we threw the game to you know help them out and then you know make them feel good. So uh, I'm gonna stick with that uh, that conspiracy theory. I was happy to see a lot of Hokies fans in the stands for for those yeah. games all weekend. That was that was really cool. If you look at our next four games, they're all at home. And oddly enough, the next one's against Charleston Southern. So we're like oh my another Charleston team next. But then we got Minnesota and the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They're they're average, not not a great team, not a great Minnesota team. That's at home. And then we get number one UNC in our house, in the castle, on 12-4. That is huge. And then the very next game is number 21 Dayton on 12-7. Now, those rankings might have changed today, but they, both those teams are good teams. They've been ranked already this year, and UNC's number one. So I, uh, I'm i excited for this home stretch, man. We can, we can make some some real waves if we, if we come away with one or two of those wins. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, after that stretch, we're going to have a really good sense of how good this team is. Um, you know, and... And the talent, I know Penn State's going to be kind of a decent team, but that'll be, you know, back-to-back, really figuring out what this what this team's got and what they can put together against the higher-level talent. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I, I'm i still kind of in football mode, even though the, the UVA game has been canceled, but I, I'm starting to get real juiced up for basketball, and I, I can't wait to see that UNC game. They, they're going to be tough with Baco coming in. Like, <laughs> guarding that big man's going to be hard, but... For the first time in a long time, we've got multiple big bodies we could throw at someone like that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting matchup, and um, yeah, it, it's I haven't fully made the pivot because we just found out UVA has got canceled literally you know forty five minutes ago, but um, it's probably going to happen pretty quickly here to uh, to jump fully onto the hoop strain. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the game recap. It was cool, both of the teams wore the UVA colors and honored them in that way. We had blue for Liberty and orange for us, obviously. And then we had Fontel Mines, the UVA graduate, carry out their flag when we started the game. So there's another nice honor and cool for Fontel to be able to do that for his university. We got on the board first with an eight-play, 80-yard drive capped with a two-yard Holston run. That theme will come back. Uh, that was set up by the long play to Gallo. He was wide open, just kind of traipsing through the secondary there. 7-0 Virginia Tech. Liberty tied it up soon after, but we responded with another long drive. This time, 12 plays, another TD by Holston. We added a field goal that was John Love's first of his career to make it 17-7. Unfortunately, Liberty returned the ensuing kickoff 97 yards to cut our lead to three, and it wouldn't be a Virginia Tech game this year without a quick score by the other team right before the half. <laughs> We've seen that I, a number of times. I, I I just, I was laughing. How much have we talked about it this season? And then it happened again. I know. Three points, they tie it up. It's 17-17 at the half. The third quarter really wasn't looking good. Liberty had us backed up, and they sat Grant Wells for a safety. Then they drove down fairly easily before the defense bowed up a bit. And they had to kick a field goal. And that made it 22-17. to 17. We're down. They were driving again. And they were kind of like a knife through hot butter. Like They were just moving on us. And, you know, we were at Liberty. And I guess it was some divine intervention. We got a fumble. Monsoor Delane came through, knocked that thing out, uh, recovered by Kelly Lawson. And we took that 64 yards on 13 plays for the game-leading touchdown. 
11 of the 13 plays were run plays, and 8 of them were by Holston, who, of course, got his third touchdown of the game. We stopped Liberty on downs after that, and then we forced another fumble on their last drive and sealed the game with some more smart running by Holston. Ran out the clock, 23-22, Hokies win. I, I kept thinking we were going to blow it, right? Like, is that yes. what you were thinking at the end there? Yes, the whole time. And they did the opposite, yeah. really. I mean, that drive and the strip of the ball, like, at the end, they they did the complete opposite of what we've kind of become accustomed, this, uh, accustomed to this season, which was um, on top of it being for the win, was just really nice to see just that change of – tone and tenure in the team um it was surprising though it was surprising because liberty was us right like they fumbled away the game in the fourth quarter and they they choked you know and helped out by some nice plays by our defensive guys but like they choked and we did not and it was it was pretty awesome to be on the other end of that yeah it was and i think it was was that final strip was that garbit that had it i think i believe so yeah um who had a very nice a nice game and was was trying to create some pressure in the in the backfield and it was um i think for me the most interesting part of the game was the explosive plays i mean that is we talk about the end of the game it being the complete opposite explosive has not been this team whatsoever uh and a lot of people running open in the flat a lot of passes over the middle to guys and getting extra chunks of yards it king making some yardage on the outside you had grant wells picking up a couple very long first downs for on one of them for first and probably another 10 or 15 yards it was um very different in in the offense and you know we were playing liberty but uh it was it was nice to see it sure was and before we give our full reaction and get into some of the defensive stats and all that let's play this week's calls for you guys fellas i am uh driving home on 29 somewhere between lynchburg and home leaving the game and i have to say it, it felt good to, to be there for a win. That was That's my primary thing. I just wanted to say I'm so happy about this win. I don't care that it's Liberty. I don't, I don't, I don't care that we should have won by a bigger margin. I don't care that we're at any, any of the other details you want to throw out after a seven-game losing streak. Um, I'm just going to let myself be happy about this win. We did not quit on running the football, even though Liberty got some stops there in the third quarter. We realized that we should push these guys around. We can push these guys around, and we did push those guys around. The kids uh, rallied back from you know, being down in the game uh, on, on points and didn't let that distract them. So, so instead of the uh, momentum being working against us in the fourth quarter, we had momentum in the fourth quarter. That, that, that's, that's a huge thing, in my opinion. Also, it really helped that Liberty's offense played like an offense whose play caller spent the previous week interviewing for other jobs. So that helped out a lot, but got to win. It feels good. Everything else is secondary. Go Hokies. Pete, Robbie, how you guys doing? Uh, look, man, I am just as proud as a parent uh, who is high in their child's swing set at the moment. And yes, 
it it works for both wins and losses. Uh, in the words of Clark W. Griswold, hallelujah and holy shit, where's the Tylenol? Thanks for the calls once again, everyone. We heard from uh, Ryan Fur for Heisman. He gave us a call <laughs> this week. He used to, to run Gobbler Country back in the day, and I, I know he's a loyal listener, so thank you. Thanks, Ryan, for calling in. Um, he went to the game, and there was a couple other people that listen to us that I know went to the game. I know Billy went to the game, uh, who we were talking to earlier. It was good that so many Hokies were there and I'm so happy they were rewarded with a win. You could hear the relief in his voice as he's, he's going through his message. Um, and then we heard from high on the swings always, uh, and even after a victory, it works just as well. (laughs) High on the swings is, uh, just the, just the, that, that his name and will forever be, uh, known as, but, uh, it works both ways. We know it now. So no, we can't call it like a jinx or anything like that. We know, we know it works. And then, um, Byron Walters also called. He's the one that left us the beer review last week. So thanks again, all three of you guys, for the calls. We've had great weeks of calls all throughout the season. It was really a nice addition to the podcast and uh, no different this week. Thanks, guys. Getting back to the offense, you mentioned some of the more explosive plays. And it's funny because we're talking about a 35-yarder, maybe a 34-yarder to to Wright down. This, when Wright was like rumbling down, it was like, go faster, go faster. Yes. What's going on here? It's like, oh, that's the tight end. <laughs> yeah, he, he can't he can't move that quick. <laughs> but it was nice to see some of those bigger plays. And it's a shame about Keyshawn King because he was running just as well as Holston, if not better, just like he always does, getting getting that burst to the outside. And the guy just, he cannot hold on to the football. It is... It sucks. Like it really sucks. I, and I'm glad that Halston was able to pick up the slack. But if you combine their output, you had 99 yards, the career high for Halston, plus the 78 from King. Wells had 68 yards rushing, but he also had 64 lost yards. But we put together 176 yards on the ground, which was the highest of the season. Yeah, and yeah. Wells took some sacks. They were not just sacks. They were like 25 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It was insane. And the uh, intentional it, grounding. I mean, what the heck was yeah. he doing on that? I, yeah, I have no clue. But yeah, the run game, it it was not electric, mm-hmm. but it was good, right? It, it was. It looked competent, and it has not looked competent for, for a while. So that was a relief to, to see. Yeah, sure. it was something like, four yards per carry as a team, not incredible, but there were some like really large holes to run through at times up the gut, you know, and that's not something we've seen. The offensive line is certainly better in that run blocking department, but (laughs) six sacks tells you where we're faltering there. So I don't know why we can't do both, but uh, we were playing Xavier Chaplin a little bit more, the young kid and, you know, younger guys, like they usually do one or the other. Well, so if you're yeah. putting in a big body like that, you're getting the good run blocking, but maybe he's not, his technique's not there to, to prevent some of the sacks, but it's nice to just see them do something well. Right. Yeah. The pass blocking is definitely bad, uh, but the run blocking was much better this game. And you have to take into account who they're playing like Liberty for what they are and what they aren't. They have the number one, tackles for loss per game in the country right we talked Uh about that before the game they have a good d line like this was 
this wasn't just scrubs that we were pushing around and being able to to move the ball when the game counted 11 out of 13 rush plays on the most important drive of the game and this was a solid d-line that we were able to push around in the clutch and so that was that was really refreshing and something we can build on going into next year the disappointing thing about the offense was we couldn't get Caleb Smith going and even yeah. when he did catch the two-point conversion it got overturned <laughs> yes it you ended up having you know Eric Gallo taking a getting a couple big big catch snags but nothing nothing from him so it it's tough uh but I also I like the aggressiveness was nice. I mean, there's nothing to lose. We had the the fake punt at the beginning of the second quarter, mm-hmm. uh, which ended up resulting in the the touchdown. But then we had you know we didn't get the TD on the third and four at the five yard line. We ended up having to kick the field goal there. So um, there is still plenty of improvement necessary, but it was enough to to get it done basically. Yeah. I had said on the solo podcast last week that I was kind of hoping we were going to go with a different quarterback just to give the team a spark. Now, it turned out the team seemed motivated enough all day to get the win, and they were playing really hard. So that's not why you needed a new quarterback. But you might have needed a new quarterback because Grant Wells just isn't playing very well right now. Like he, right. His, his QBR it's, was under 40 again. Um, no touchdowns, no picks, and he didn't turn the ball over, so that that's good. But he, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be the answer next year and whether no. we're going to address it in the portal or one of the younger guys is going to step up and, and be the guy. But going into next year with Grant Wells as our starting quarterback is not going to have too many fans very excited. Oh, goodness. That's going to be that's going to be a fun conversation in the off season. You can already hear the coaches say it's an open competition, but you know he was their starter last year, and then you know people are going to hem and haw no yeah. matter what. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, let's move over to the defense because they were outstanding, and we had the cool side story of Marv calling the plays on defense. Brent Pry yep. gave up the play calling for the first time this year, and. Our defense only allowed 13 points because two were a safety and two were a run back. And so yeah. that was an outstanding performance against a pretty solid Liberty team. There's a couple of ways that people could look at that. And one of them is, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, our defensive guy is no longer coaching the defense and it you know looks really good. I look at it more as, well, now Pry is actually being a head coach and not just focused on one side of the ball and is you have somebody you have somebody else giving their full attention to one side of the ball and look at what happened mm-hmm. um you know things look things look better so i'm i'm more of that second camp than i am the first and and that's exactly the point right because price said i was not being a good defensive coordinator i was not being a good head coach like and so this this allows both to be better and yes Maybe it was a fluke. Maybe it was just one good day, but it seemed to work, and it gives Pry the comfort for next season that, hey, I I can be just the head coach, and I can let Marv do this, and and he knows exactly what Pry wants to run, and he's going to put it in there, and it's going to be fine. Yep, I agree. But Liberty was averaging 415 yards per game, and we held them to 332. They were scoring 30 points a game. We already mentioned the 13 given up. 
We had five sacks on their two different QBs and big ones at the end of the game, like clutch sacks when we needed them. We yep. They came through for us. Twelve tackles for loss. You, you said something about how Garbutt had an awesome game. He had three TFL and two sacks. But Monsoor Delane got in there for two tackles for loss. Yeah, it was uh... – yeah, it was the it was the whole team. I, the secondary gave up some passes. Um, there were definitely some some areas that I think there could be a lot of improvement there. But we've talked about that. The secondary has been a challenge all year and a depth challenge. You know, we've had people out. It's been a rotation of guys playing back there. So it was not horrible, but there was definitely some some gaps there. But I think up front we played a lot better. Yeah, they were they were moving it. I mean, Douglas and Lewis are threatening players. They were doing really well for them and getting open. And like I said in the game recap, there was a point where Liberty had just gone down the field twice, but our defense came up with a third down stop, and on the next drive, they got a fumble. So like they, they came through when they needed to all game long. But this this Delane kid, man, he is a beast. Like he could yeah. be freshman all-american like he didn't play all the games and now he's yep. missing a last game so he, he probably won't get something like that but maybe second or third team because you look at his advanced stuff the pff grades all that he's averaging a pass breakup for per game we've only had five dbs do that since 2009 and he's wow. and he's a true freshman and he's doing it all the other guys were not true freshmen That's so incredible. it's it's pretty awesome uh, definitely one of the best corners in the conference already. I, I, yep. re- I really believe that. 12 tackles for loss in the season for Garbutt now. So that's some pretty solid production for a guy who was banged up. Like, he he didn't play all the games. He has six and a half sacks. And he was battling through stuff, and he saved his best for last in this one. Yeah, absolutely. I, he He showed up. He caused a lot of havoc, a lot of pressure, and in obviously one of the biggest spots that you possibly could. And I mean, essentially he sealed the game uh, with his play right at the end. So um, he, he, he played well all season. His impact was not necessarily always in the stat line, Mm -hmm. although his overall stats, you know, ended up being pretty good, but he was always, he was always pretty, he was always solid. I think throughout the game, there was not any instances in any games I came away Without thinking, you know, he didn't have he didn't have his best show. He he played pretty well all season, but the stats really started to uh, accumulate, and definitely in this game. I don't know for sure if this is his last year or not. If he's used his COVID year or whatever, I know we've heard his name forever, and he's yeah. kind of been off the field, on the field kind of thing. But I would love to get him back for another year. I don't know if there's any eligibility left, but I've really appreciated what he's done for the program, playing through a lot of injuries over the years. Special teams wise. John Love fake kick conversion was pretty yes. sweet. He even had a little juke in there. That was an, an important moment in the game. And in a great example of what we talked about with Pry and the situational football, he called that thing at the perfect time. Yeah. And maybe we still call it if he's coaching the defense. I doubt it. I mean, you need to really be focused and got to make that that play at the and call it at the right time. It's all and a it gut was, feeling, right? And you need yeah. to be be on top of it to do that and it was perfect uh and it they executed it really well and he executed it with his physical uh play on it uh even better so definitely uh, it was 
it was a it was a nice little move, a little shiftiness from him. He also made his first field goal of the year. He is three for three on his extra points. So maybe we have a kicker going into next year too. I, I know Will Ross did well for us at the beginning of this year. Then he started to struggle a bit and, and Pry lost his faith, but we will we will have John Love next year. So we'll see if he becomes the, the go-to kicker. We did allow our first kick return for a touchdown since 2013. And yes. <laughs> I was with you the last time we saw one of those because I think we were at A-Town watching the Alabama game. And we really could have won that Alabama game if it wasn't for that kick return. <laughs> yes. Um, who was it? Christian? What was what? his name? Um, yeah. Yeah. Webster? Or but, I, yeah. I don't like... know. Chris, something Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but 96 yards. So uh, that was... That was backbreaking yes. uh, in, in the moment, that's for sure. He was running pretty free, too. Uh, that was not great. No one was close to him, really, yeah. <laughs> for the large majority of that run back. But it is what it is. We, we ended up winning the game anyway, overcoming it. I just want to take a quick moment to talk about our sponsor, Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer, the two best beer stores in the DMV. You've got Dominion, which is one of Robbie's favorite spots to go, whether it was during the pandemic or afterwards for a bite of food or just having a beer on tap and their great selection of wines and beers. You got to hit them up in, in Falls Church. And then Downtown Crown Wine and Beer in Gaithersburg is a beautiful location. The shopping center is not even that old, and there's plenty of other cool stuff right there, too. You can grab some food and bring it in, have a beer on tap, take your stuff to go. Great selection of Maryland cans up in there. And uh, I hope you guys continue to hit them up all through the holiday season for all your dark beers. The winter lagers are out. A lot of coffee stouts are out, Robbie. That's, yeah. you know how much I love those things. So Get the espresso stouts. Those are awesome. Oh, dude. KBS now has multiple flavors. They've got espresso. They've got hazelnut. They've got cinnamon. Now, those things will knock you on your rear, <laughs> the yes. KBS. But they're like 12%. But, man, they are good. My neighbor loves those things. So whenever yeah. I'm... I'm hanging with him. Like he's always like, "Do you want to split a KBS? Or you, yeah. you want one for yourself?" I'm like, "I guess," but now, now hey. I'm not gonna be able to get up in the morning. <laughs> if you want to start an argument at Thanksgiving dinner, just polish <laughs> off a couple of those and uh, see what rabbit hole you end up down. Absolutely, but you can find all the good stuff at Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. Make sure you you hit them up and and tell Arash we said hello. I do not expect you guys to use mine. Um, every single time, but I wanted to leave another one um, just in case you're not getting a lot up front. Um, I'm hoping that that kind of uh, picks up and a lot of guys uh, call in with their um, beer reviews. But I found one. I wanted to find one out of Virginia this time, just in the spirit of this week, even though the game is canceled at this point. Um, and this one's actually kind of close to Charlottesville. It's out of Crozet. Um, and some of you may be uh, familiar with this one, D9 Brewing Company does German chocolate cake. It's a coconut pecan stout. Really enjoy this beer. Um, got kind of a sweet tooth, so it's right up my alley. Uh, coconut pecan stout, definitely getting the chocolate out of it. Um, and uh, the, the texture is fantastic, but um, when, the, when the flavors are subtle, I can't tell if it's that suggestive uh, nature of the can, like telling me that I should taste these flavors or telling me that I'm I'm actually tasting them or if it's just the power of suggestion. So coconut, pecan, I think I'm tasting those things and uh, kind of subtle. But, um, again, very, very enjoyable beer, especially with the holidays and kind of, you know, sweet flavors going around. So 
definitely getting this one again. Thank you guys. I wanted to do our final takeaways here. And I guess this is our, our final takeaways of the season, but the line between winning and losing, as we saw against Georgia tech against NC state in this game, it is so thin for this Hokies team. That King fumble after we get the ball, if Holloway doesn't jump on that thing, like it's all, it's all ruined. You know, that, that would have been it. But fortunately, Tucker Holloway and Billy pointed this out to us. He burned his red shirt so he could recover that fumble. <laughs> yes. I mean, how, how perfect is that? So, you know, burn, burn the red shirt. And if, uh, if anybody's got an issue with it, he can say he pretty much clinched a game. Yeah, he did. And, and that's the, the, what I was trying to get at there is like, we were three for three on fourth downs. You know, we get the fumbles when we need them. These are the little things that you need to do throughout a 60-minute ball game to win. You need to do that fake kick and get yep. some momentum. And we were fortunate enough for it finally to come up on the hokey side of the coin because yep. it has not all year, and it finally happened against a team we both hate. And so it, it's it's just so crazy how many little things happen during a game that you need to go your way in order for us to win right now. Yeah, I, it's a bit of a testament to what Pry has been saying is how close they are to getting getting a W, and this really showed it. It's just the small little things here and there, and they they add up at the end to to a W. I was describing to one of my buddies this past weekend. They're like, "You guys lost to ODU earlier in the year. Are they good?" And I was like, "No, not really." And I was <laughs> like, "What? Well, we had four interceptions and a snap that went over the kicker's head, and this and this and this." And they were like, "Oh, okay." And I'm like, "Yeah." So we we thought it was just one game, but then we kept doing that throughout the year. Like that game, GT and NC State stand out obviously. That's yes. three wins, and we yes. won three games. So like, you're talking about a six and five team. Right. And go into a bowl if you yeah. are able to come away with those wins. And next year and the year after, if Pry is able to build on that idea and that mentality that you need to compete every single play till the very end, you, we need and we'll have better players and all that kind of stuff. We yeah. will get those wins. Um, it's a shame we couldn't get them in year one for him. But as, as we've talked about before, like year one just means so little going forward. Yeah, and some teams catch lightning in a bottle, and they have a good roster, or whatever the case, so, and things just come together. Like Fuente and, did. <laughs> yeah, and they blow up in year two and year three. So it's it doesn't – for teams in the echelon that we are now in college football, there's no pre-described formula for getting to a good year three and a good year four. Mm-hmm. Some people have a good year one and a bad year two. Some people have a good year two after having a bad year one. So it, it remains to be seen. Uh, it does. But I'm just happy we finally closed out a game. We got the first taste of Pry being a head coach only, and it was a success, especially at the end. I thought his game management uh, towards the end of the game was absolutely fantastic. He, he really outcoached. Hugh Freeze. And I know that you could say, oh, some of it was luck. I don't care, man. Like Hugh Freeze went forward on fourth and 12 when he could have punted and pinned us back. And he's been sacking us all day. And he decided to go for a fourth and 12 with five minutes left. And it didn't work out for them because obviously that was going to be hard to get. They didn't get it. And then they didn't win the game. And that's just one example. But there was lots of little examples where 
Pride made the right decision and Freeze made the wrong decision. Yeah, I agree. And he's and he's a really good coach if you're going to go out and beat somebody. So I'm yeah. happy for the locker room. Happy for all the little tiny areas of improvement we saw with regard to the O-line and, and some of the other stuff on defense. So just so excited we got that win. So relieved that we got that win, especially now that the season's over. So I'm happy. Let's get into the picks, Robbie, before we, we close this one out. NC State at UNC. UNC six and a half point favorites at home. Black Friday game here. NC wow. State really hasn't been playing well lately. No, it's kind of they it's it's fallen off a little bit. It's six and a half, you know, in a rivalry game on this game, Black Friday. I am gonna go I'm gonna go with a little bit of a UNC bounce back in this though. I know that's yeah, going UNC. Yeah, I'm worried about NC State coming out like they've been playing like dog shit, but maybe this is the game where they're like, oh, it's a rival. Okay, we're going to play good now. Yeah, um, They've lost a lot of guys to injuries, though, too. So I'm going to go with UNC. NC State does have their number over the last decade or so, but I'm still going to go with UNC on the bounce back like you. Florida at Florida State. Florida State has been rolling nine and a half point favorites at home. Another Black Friday. Oh man, I, I'm going to go with Florida State. They are. I think Tom Fernelli said like they're a wagon right now, and <laughs> they are. Yes. Dude, they're rolling. That is a great term for what they are doing. I had Florida State as well in this game. All right, next game: Georgia Tech at Georgia. This is a tight spread, Robbie. Thirty-five <laughs> and a half. <laughs> I'm taking Georgia Tech, uh, and I mean. UGA just scored. What was that game? They hit 16 points this week uh, in their game. Like won 16, like 13 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they did. They, they, it wasn't a strong performance. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Georgia Tech to cover that massive, massive spread. Yeah, it's a it's a huge spread. And Georgia Tech with Brent Key as the head coach, I think their metrics would be a lot better if you just separated them from before. Yes. And so I'm going to take GT to cover as well. This is almost a principal play because mm-hmm. we're over 35 points on this one. So I'll go with it. We'll see what happens. They could easily lose like 50 to 10, but <laughs> <laughs> Louisville at Kentucky, Kentucky, three and a half point favorites. We talked about Louisville playing a little bit better lately. Kentucky going the other way. I like Louisville to cover with that hook. Yeah. Kentucky's defense is still decent though. Uh, yeah, I'll probably stick. I'll go with Louisville. All right, next game, South Carolina at Clemson. South Carolina coming off the big win over Oof. Tennessee, and Spencer Rattler just having the most ridiculous stat line of his life. Uh, going to Clemson and 14.5-point underdogs on the road. Clemson, another quiet year for them, right? Like, they're they're again, they're one loss, and they're looking pretty solid, but when Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne left, like the conversation stopped uh, yes. with regard to Clemson. It's just kind of crazy, but and the coaching turnover. Yes, yeah. there has been a lot of of coaches that have gone gone on to other places, including Brent Venables. So, <laughs> I'll go with uh, Clemson on this one. I don't think South Carolina has that in them two weeks in a row. Yeah, that was. I'm gonna take South Carolina. Actually, okay. I'm not not necessarily that they have it in them for two weeks, but enough to 
lose by 14. Yeah, yeah, you lose by like 10 or something like that. Yeah. All right, the game, Michigan at Ohio State. Ohio State, seven and a half point favorites at home in the horseshoe. Last year, Michigan came out and got off the schneid and really put a hurting on Ohio State, right? Like, it wasn't kind of a beatdown. Yeah. Yes, I mean, and they much needed one because that fan base was yeah, – they had lost like 14 in the last 15 at that or something like that at that point. Um, before and they went to the playoff too. So yeah. it, it was it was a huge so, win for Michigan last year, and you know Ohio State's not forgetting that. So I'll go with Ohio State. I think they are the significantly better team this year. Uh, they They have failed to convince me of how good they are at times, but so is Michigan. We saw Michigan in a dogfight with Illinois this past week, so I'll go with Ohio State to cover. Michigan, Michigan lost its running back. I think they lost their backup running back, and oh yeah, Blake everything was true. went sideways on them. They have nothing with without those guys, so I don't know if they're going to play or not, but I'm sticking with Ohio State. Okay. Civil War, Oregon at Oregon State in Corvallis. We got three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Are the Beavers at home? I like the Beavs. Yeah. I think so too. Um, it's uh, I thought the spread would be a little bit bigger than that, but I do like uh, Oregon State here. All right, in the last game, we're going to pick Notre Dame at USC, the old rivalry. USC five and a half point favorites, slim line, and we've seen Notre Dame play tough in these big games. Is this is this an upset here? Is this potentially an upset brewing? Could they ruin USC's playoff chances? You know they would want to. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of – there was so much smack talk after they lost to Marshall, and they just had took those early losses. So you know that they are they would love to do this to USC. Um, I don't think – with Lincoln Riley, I don't think it's going to happen, though. I'm, I'm going with USC. I'm going with Notre Dame. Okay. I, I, think, I think they can get the upset, but if they don't, I think they will play close enough to cover. Uh, you USC, I, I've been waiting for them to fall. I know they lost one game, but there's a couple other games that got a little tricky for them, and I, I think Notre Dame's going to play them tight. Okay. All right, that'll do it for picks. I, I'm kind of thrown off in this whole thing, Rob, because I was expecting to preview the UVA game maybe next week because they were talking about moving it to December 3rd. And so yes. I really thought we would just recap Liberty tonight and preview UVA next, and there's no bowl game. And so we we might have to cover the uh, UNC game after it's yeah. over or something, but we, we'll talk after this to figure out what we're going to do for our next pod, it, and it might involve uh, some of the guys from Sons of Saturday. So we'll just have to see, and we will – We'll be posting something to you guys in not the too, too distant future, probably before Christmas, just uh, just to inform you of what's going on and early signing day and all that kind of thing. But season's over and it's uh, it's been a it's been a weird one. I was about to say it's been a good one. It has not been a good one. It's been uh, it's been an OK one at times from the podcasting perspective. I think it was another solid year from us in terms of that. But it was a tough one. That's for sure. Yeah, it um, it. There's a lot to learn from. Let's put it that way. If if it is, you never want in a season in in the first season for a coach, you never want things to break too much your way and give a false sense to the team mm-hmm. or the fan base for that matter that things are too good. And we got none of that. So 
that, that just think about that. It, this is about as hard of a season in terms of how the breaks went other than Liberty that you could have. So, uh, that's a good, it's, point. it's going to build a lot of character, I think on that team to understand what it takes to, to pull out W's. Absolutely. You're right. It, no matter what you think is coming down the pipe, pike, pipe, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we should not have to endure anything that was quite this bad in terms of the breaks, like you said. So that yep. that is at least the slightest bit comforting. And if we do, well, then <laughs> we might be looking for a different coach. Well, that's that is a totally different kind of conversation. I'm just I'm still I'm still riding high, and it's nice to go into the off season with the win. So we'll go with that. Make sure you subscribe Apple Podcast. Spotify, and make sure you subscribe to all of the Sons of Saturdays feeds. I think there's only two right now. It's the Queens of Castle on their own feed. There may be a Locks of Saturday feed coming or already out, and I can't say for a fact. But make sure you go find them and subscribe because we are now their partners. So excited about the future. Hit us up on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. 2DVT at gmail.com if you want to send us anything, comments, or questions. And until next time, when we're hitting you with a little signing day action and and who knows what else, go Hokies. <laughs>